0: chapter 2 verses 11 through 13 the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him we will also live with him if we endure we will also reign with him if we deny him he also will deny us if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself let's pray Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are trustworthy, that your promises are good, that you never fail, you will never lose, and we can rest in that no matter what is happening um, in our lives, um, that you are forever faithful. Um, Father, I just pray that you would just be here this morning. um, Give us humble hearts and open minds that we would. Grow closer to you this morning, um, and that we would um, learn something new about your goodness and your greatness and your inf- your inf- infinity. I uh, just thank you again for this time together. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, we have our guest uh, preacher this morning. Please um, welcome back uh, R- Richard. Thanks, Richard.
1: Well good morning. Uh, our passage for this morning. Uh, he read the last couple of verses that kind of uh, distills it all down for us, but we're going to spend our time this morning on 2nd Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses one through 13, looking at all those together, which come in those last few verses, and want to make sure we had that. Those verses are a good thing for us to get our mindset in the right spot. I get my. Notes and stuff together here first, I suppose. All right. So you find, find your spot in the, your Bibles there. Uh, the main point of that, that passage comes in that, those last few verses where it's all building to that short catechism which says, hey, we have to persevere uh, in the faith. It's a simple point. And that's why it can be boiled down into a short catechism even at the end. But it's still, it's an important point that Paul wants to make sure even Timothy is hearing, because we need to persevere. I mean, he, he gives us this, this, these 13 verses writing to Timothy, who's a pastor at Ephesus, and even though he's a pastor, it's just like, oh yeah, he obviously knows this, since we're reminded of it, and encouraged in it. And so we too, it, what, our education, our home, we've heard this kind of thing before, we still need to hear these things to be reminded, hey, keep on in the faith, keep persevering despite suffering and difficulty in life. So as we go through, uh, keep that in mind. I know I may already know this, I still need the reminders, Maybe can we, things that will be helpful to, oh yeah, I've dropped off on that. So let's, let's read the whole text to get it started out and then we'll jump in and break it down. chapter 2, 2 Timothy, verses 1 through 13. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he compares, competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. for Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also, he will, will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. So you can kind of hear that uh, overarching message in those verses of, hey, persevere with phrases like, be strengthened, share in suffering, endure. But this morning I'm going to kind of break the text down into ma- two main categories of, first, how do we persevere? And then, why do we persevere? Before at the end Paul c- concludes and says, okay, now here's the consequences to what you decide to do. So let's dive in. First, how do we persevere in the faith? Paul gives us three things for how we can persevere. First, embrace grace. Second, share doctrine. And third, recall the gospel. So the first way that Paul says how he can persevere is to embrace grace. He see that in verse 1. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul doesn't say that, that in a more active statement. Grace will strengthen you. Instead, he moves the focus away from the fact that grace strengthens us to say, you need to be intentionally leaning on that grace. Your will is involved there. Your intention is involved there. Yes, it's, it's by God's grace we live, breathe, and move. And that's a great truth. But he's said to Timothy, I want you to lean into that grace, actually intentionally thinking it out to be strengthened in the ministry you have before you. Because ministry is not easy. All of us are ministers equipped with the gospel for those around us. We're supposed to not simply presume upon God's grace and say, oh, well, yeah, God's got me. We're good. We're supposed to intentionally and willfully want to and decidedly depend upon God. This means that we pray to, and ask God to help us interpret even his word. We know we can read English, but we still want him to help us interpret it rightly. We don't simply think we can understand it in our own power apart from him. We also don't assume he's going to help us choose a career. We'll pray for that and ask him to guide our choice and to bless us in a career. We don't assume the meal that we're eating is going to benefit us. Instead, we pray and ask God to use his food to bless us for the ministries around us. We lean on God's grace in, in anything from big choices to everyday common things. The topics to pray about are unending that way. And that's why Paul elsewhere says, pray without ceasing. this doesn't, mean, mean, it doesn't need to be formal prayers uh, where we close our eyes and fold our hands, compose it like a letter. Uh, There're a fitting time for that, but it doesn't always have to be that way. We can pray in those moments entering a task, obviously, And that can be with an eye towards heaven or the eye of our heart looking towards God. But all of these are expressions of our dependence upon him, embracing that, hey, yeah, we do need God's grace to strengthen us for everyday things and the special things. As we intentionally seek that strength that is in Christ, who saved us and made us God's child, we can know that, oh, God loves to give good gifts to those who ask, to his children. We're dependent, and we need to embrace God's grace in that dependence. Thus Paul encouraged Tim to embrace grace as the means of how to persevere. That's just one of them. But he continues and says, he also needs to be sharing doctrine. We see this in verse 2. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Paul gives this instruction to Timothy as part of his role as an elder and pastor, passing the torch on to other elders in preparation for his absence. But it's also part of his fight that he's engaged in throughout this letter. He's saying, you are be engaging with these false teachers that are around you, pulling people away from the gospel. You need to be sharing the sound doctrine for the church and yourself to be persevering in the truth. Sharing sound doctrine with others helps to equip and sharpen one another so that more believers are ready to help and encourage one another, keeping us on track, not get pulled away from what, what the culture says or what false teachers in the church would say. And indeed that's what Paul exemplifies in writing all of his letters, right? Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, any of those letters, they're writing to the, the church to strengthen them with sound doctrine to s- get back on track or to continue on the right track. Paul is encouraging them to persevere and practicing his perseverance through sharing that doctrine. We need to share the doctrine that we know as part of how we grow. This is part of our design as a body of Christ. We say this in Timothy, and Titus 2. He says, older women be mentoring younger women. Older men be mentoring younger men part of our design is the body of Christ to be sharing that doctrine, helping each other grow through the truths of God's word. And that's part of how we grow. That's also a part of how we persevere. That's where John Owen put it uh, succinctly saying that if you're not growing, if you're not putting on Christ, you're being attacked by sin. If you're not killing sin, you are Sin is killing you. So it's part of part and parcel of sharing, persevering in faith is sharing that sound doctrine. It's not rocket science, obviously, but it's still a truth that needs to be reminded in us. We can shrink back from it, default, back to just talking about football and how the Vikings are doing. Um, there's more to life than that. We can talk about godly sound doctrine as well. So sharing doctrine. Is part of how we persevere, as well as embracing grace. But he continues with the third, and w- spends most time on this one, of how we persevere in the faith. Well, we, we recall the gospel. We find this in verse eight. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. We need to recall Jesus, and in particular, he focuses in and says his resurrection which shows his victory over death and God's acceptance of his payment for our sins. This provides an example for us, obviously, that Christ went in life, suffered even to the point of death, and arose victorious over it, right? God vindicated him. So if he did that up to the point of death and during all that he did, how much more can we endure the, the light sufferings we have? But even if we do suffer to the point of death, we already have the Christ has already walked before us in that. We've seen him fulfill the promise of, oh, even if we die, there's life beyond with God. He's the first fruits, so the guarantee that we get to have that. But more than his, his example, we're to recall the key points of the gospel, which here Paul crystallizes in the, the resurrection. And his reign, the resurrection signs is a sign and seal of Jesus' death as a payment acceptable to God for the sins of those who repent and believe. So Jesus' death paid for the sins of His people, such that when death comes to us, there's no sting in it, because we will be with Him in paradise. So the fear of death should not exist in His people, as we're trusting in Him. Of like, oh. Even if I die, there is better beyond. It's the part of basic truths of the gospel. If we die with him, we will also live with him. That's the first part of the catechism at the end, verse 11. If we die with him, we'll also live with him. That hope of resurrection in the forgiveness of sins is our basic building block of faith. And it's that basic building block that we're to recall amidst the trials and temptations that would say, oh, it's not worth persevering. We recall the truth of resurrection, of the vindication beyond death, say, oh no, it is worth enduring the circumstance. There's hope beyond, there's a guarantee of inheritance beyond death, beyond this suffering even. And so we, we are given a reminder of that forgiveness in the resurrection, that even all of our failures, in the midst of those failures, God's grace is still bigger. His forgiveness can handle even our, sin, our worst sins. So we shouldn't spiral into despair either. Recalling the gospel and its essentials for faith is part of how we persevere. But all these hows also tie into why we should persevere. It's good to have some of those concrete handles of, okay, here's what I can actually do to persevere. How we actively think, how we actively act for practicing perseverance. But Paul doesn't just leave us with the behavior. He wants us to understand and be movi- motivated by the why we should persevere. He gives at least four reasons for why we should persevere. First to please God, second to gain the prize, third to receive the best, and fourth to help others. So that first these reasons of why I should persevere. First to please God. We find this in verse 4 where Paul compares the Christian to a soldier. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So the soldier stands before his enlister and he swears an oath that says, I am denying my rights to all civil courts and all civil life to join the army. In the Roman military, that means you're, like, you're not going to have, you can't be legally married, you can't choose where you want to live for 25 years of service. It's not a light commitment that he's, he's comparing this to. It's a, it's a weighty thing, but the parallel is still there. We willingly deny ourselves as Christians some things in this life for the sake of pleasing God. If that doesn't, doesn't resonate with part of your life, uh, you need to check what you're doing in life. There should be some resonance. Yeah, I, I can't do that because I want to please God instead. Pleasing God is, uh, is higher than those other desires around us. It's indeed our highest aim. And Paul's reminding Timothy of that basic reality. You have all these false teachers around you. A lot, a lot of issues going, going around in the Ephesus church. Continue on. Persevere. Remember, suffering is part of the bargain. We have to pick up our cross and follow Him. This is not going to be easy. This is part of what you signed up for as a Christian. You have to count the cost, even at the front side. And Jesus reminds us in the Sermon on the Mount, even, that persecution and suffering are the normal consequence of our calling. But in the midst of those sufferings, in the midst of those trials, if we remember this reason why we're doing it, we're still in this life, we're enduring these, these self-denials, or whatever it may be, for the sake of pleasing God, it makes that perseverance easier in those difficulties. It's not about the circumstance, it's about, oh, how can I still please God through this and in the midst of this? That's my goal here. Indeed, it's often in those times of suffering we we, we can more clearly please and be worshiping God as an evidence even to those around us. So as we do those three hows of embracing grace, we want to be doing those with this kind of motive that says, I want to be pleasing God in everything, amidst every suffering and amidst every pleasure as well. This is the biggest reason for why we persevere because our goal is to please him who's called us to continue on the second reason why we persevere is that comes from the metaphor of the athlete the athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules he wants to gain the prize that's why he's in the competition right he wants that trophy he wants that victory as any athlete knows, there's lots of ways where we can kind of try break the rules to get to the end. That's why we have referees, right? It's like, nope, you can't do that, that's not legal, penalized, flag, however you want to say it. Or another common way we, we cheat in modern sports would be through uh, things like steroids and preparation. I could get better equipped to do the competition by cheating on the front side, preparation side. And these things aren't new to the modern era of sports. Even in ancient Greek games, they said you can only train for this many months. If you train more, you're prohibited from competing. You have to stay within these rules for competing. So they had all all these rules, they had to stay within in order to actually be qualified. They could be disqualified, just like we cook in modern sports for steroids, or you give yards to their team for getting a flag in football or you get a shot to their team in basketball if you if you foul a shooter success comes within the rules you have to stay in bounds in order to get there and Paul is here reminding us that this, is, that this isn't just true of sports this is true of the Christian life we're called to live in God's world according to God's rules and we do it so that we can receive the prize not that our actions are earning that prize, but God's rule says the rule is the righteous shall live by faith. Faith is the conviction of things unseen, a of what we can't what we hope for, and that we're looking for that final salvation to be fully realized. Faith is the essential, the essential requirement for receiving that final prize. If you abandon the faith along the way, you no know longer met the qualification. And so he says, look ahead. You had that crown coming. They looked to that trophy. You as a Christian look toward being with God forever, being in a new creation without pain and suffering, being with God face-to-face, clothed in Christ's righteousness. That's what we're looking forward to. And this prize of inheritance should motivate us. This is why we should persevere. Even though some of the shortcuts might seem more appealing, They don't bring us to that prize. We start in faith, we need to continue in faith. Why? Because that's how we receive the prize. And making sure we reach the prize, Paul continues with a closely tied third reason for why we should persevere. Not only do we want to please God and gain the prize, but we also want to receive the best that we can. That's the third reason why we should persevere. We get this from the farmer metaphor in verse 6, which says, It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now There's has a, has a lot of overlap with the, with the athlete analogy, but this puts the focus on working hard rather than simply staying in bounds. We don't want to simply scrape by and barely get the prize. We want to work hard and make sure we get the, the prize the best way that we can. Hardworking farmer gets the first share because he's rewarded according to his deeds. Scripture brings this home all over the place. Ephesians 4.1, walk worthy of the calling, which you've been called. Revelation 20, verse 12, the dead were judged by what was d- written in the books according to what they had done. Matthew 16.27, Jesus will repay each person according to what he has done. Romans 2, verse 6, God will render each one according to his deeds. Hebrews 4.11, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by some sort of disobedience. Regardless of where you stand on what kind of rewards you get in heaven beyond salvation, we at least say this much, our works are not the basis for being found in the book of life, but they are a necessary evidence of belonging to God. And so we should want to work hard in seeking to receive the best reward by giving plenty of evidence that we belong to God. Indeed, we, evidence is shown through how we seek to please God, how we seek to gain that prize. And so those three whys are all tied together, uh, focusing on that reward. But Paul gives one last reason why we should persevere. When he turns t- the direction towards others, we should persiva- persevere lastly because it helps others. We see this in verse 10. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul perseveres in depending on God, in sharing sound doctrine, in recalling the power of the gospel, also because he wants everyone to know and join God in that salvation. That means bringing people into conversion, bringing them into faith, and also encouraging them to stay in the faith as well. He wants others to get to that end, to move towards that goal of pleasing God, to gain that final prize. And that's where he leaves us with those three simple hows and four basic whys. How do we Persevere by embracing grace, sharing doctrine, and recalling the gospel. We all know those, but we need to find ways to apply those. And why do we do these? We want to do all these things with the the underlying motivation that we want to please God, with an aim towards being with Him in that final prize of salvation, making sure we get there, and helping others get there as well. And Paul closes this all up saying in that short catechism at the end what the consequences are of what we choose to do with this perseverance. If we die with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for we cannot deny himself. The first line reminds us of the benefit and nature of conversion. It should, if we're converted, that should show itself in the life that we live now. And then that, that new life will then expand exponentially once we die and are raised with Christ, in the new heavens and new earth. The second line then brings the main point of this passage together and, sa- and says, that's why he brings up this catechism, we should persevere because of the reward it brings. He emphasizes that reigning with Christ, which we'll have in the new heavens and new earth. And until then, those things he emphasized, please God, pursue the prize, help others get there. But then the third line really lays the consequence. Of like, okay, what if perseverance is like this optional thing? Well, he says, well, perseverance isn't, because if you deny Christ, you leave the faith or never enter it, he will deny you. It's not a light thing to choose whether to persevere or not. It's not an optional practice. Yes, we're saved by faith, but true faith will persevere. Before before we can kind of become hopeless though at that, like, oh no, don't I deny Christ whenever I sin in some sense? That's the the denial he's talking about. And that fourth line of catechism clarifies that. It's showing that God is faithful to forgive. God can forgive those lapses in faithfulness where we sin even after conversion. But if we're willing to repent, we we, we return to him, that's the mark of, oh, it was a lapse in faithfulness. If we hold on to that and say, no, I'm not going to repent. No, I'm not going to confess to God the longer we hold on to that and we we don't repent, the more we should have concern we fall into that third line. By not repenting, we're denying either that we need Christ's work or that Christ's work actually works. So repentance is that mark of, oh, it was a temporary lapse. It's not a life-committed denial of God and denial of Christ's work. So there's a real warning we need to persevere, but also real, real comfort. Where we falter, God still gives us grace and forgives. If we take heed and we seek to try, okay, follow these footsteps of how we can practice perseverance. Embrace the grace that God gives. Lean on him. Share the doctrine. Teach others. Help, help teach others go around you as part of your growth. And then recall the gospel. Remember what your foundation is. All of this should be motivated by wanting to please God, gain that prize of salvation, being with him, and helping others get there. Let's close by practicing a little bit of that, by praying together now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word, for the truths that are there, uh, and the reminders you give us, and the call to say that you are worth holding out for. You are worth persevering through trials and sufferings. Help convict us and convince us of that in our daily lives. May that show itself in in how we lean upon you for grace, seeking your and depending upon you in all things. May that show itself in how we talk and how we want to share you and and the truths of your word with those around us. May also show how we speak the gospel to ourselves with those around us. As we do so, may this glorify you and please you so that we may come to the end of the days ready for that prize where you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we be those who persevere through suffering. his amen.